Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Also check out FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell that out. We do not have a paywall. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes Prize Picks. That's our fantasy sponsor. You can go to PrizePicks.com, Google Play Store, Apple App Store. Use the code five F I V E. You get your initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars. Just rated the number one fastest growing sports product in the country, and you can play everything there: NCAA tournament, NBA, NHL. Esports, golf, tennis, whatever you want to play, mix athletes from different sports. Go to Prize Picks, use the code 5 FIBE, get that initial deposit matched up to $100. And now, today's episode. Down Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. No Greg, no Brady, no Alex, giving them all the day off. I'm bringing in a former colleague of mine, longtime NBA writer, NBA analyst, NBA all sorts of different things, Howard Beck. You can find him at, conveniently enough, it's still just Howard Beck on Twitter, right? You don't need anything else. It's just, it's like a I don't, I don't do underscores, umlauts, middle initials, uh, anything. No, it's just at Howard Beck, uh, the easiest name in the world to spell. So, yes, find me there on Twitter. And uh, nice to talk to you, Ethan. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's like Prince, Madonna, Howard Beck. Just throw it on there, and uh, <laughs> and, and, and 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 that and that works. You don't have any. You, you have to have some fake accounts out there, though, right? No, uh, well, like burners. No, I have no. Burners. No, not you having the actual burner, but oh. others having a, a oh. an account of you. You know what's funny? If you remember the wild, wild west days of Twitter, which I know you do, um, when yes. we were on in those first four or five years, and did that became a thing, and people were like, you know, trying to impersonate everybody for a while. I don't think I have any impersonators right now, which is fine. Like I'm not offended. Uh, I, I would rather that nobody wants to impersonate me. Um, I don't know why anybody would want to in the first place, but no, <laughs> I, I'm not aware currently of any fake Howard Beck accounts, um, and so I'm grateful for that. All right, well, one will be started by the time this podcast is over. With. All right, so here's what we're going to do, and possibly by Heat fans if this thing doesn't go particularly well. Um, Howard covers the entire NBA, uh, but obviously he knows I worked with Howard at Bleacher Report that I came from Miami. He was sort of doing a lot of Miami reporting while I was still in Cleveland. We want to service our Miami fans down here. And, Howard, I just got to say this. Uh, Heat fans are not happy this year. This is mm. this has been a frustrating go. Um it's gotten better of late. The Heat's won five out of seven. The shooting 
has normalized uh, somehow after the entire season, it's just been in the tank. Last year, they're the best shooting team in the league uh, in terms of volume, percentages from distance. This year, they've been one of the worst. Um, Jimmy's having a historically good season. Actually, it's really, really good. Uh, and Bam obviously played really well prior to the All-Star break. It's been kind of up and down since. Tyler's made some strides, and yet the team has been bad offensively again until recently. And is currently sitting seventh in the East, trying to hold off Atlanta and Toronto for that spot while trying to make a run at the Knicks and the Nets. And, and I mean, if you don't follow the Heat fan every day, I think you don't recognize the level of sort of agita that they've had this year about what hasn't happened. Uh, that this off this off season, they really didn't do anything other than retain Caleb Martin, which was a very good move. But PJ Tucker, as a result, it was kind of one or the other when they both. Uh, wanted to, you know, to get their money, which was understandable. Um, and then, you know, they didn't really add much to the backcourt. They counted on Oladipo to come back and and give them a jolt. That has been up and down. Uh, Lowry has had his problems, et cetera. And then the trade deadline came and went, nothing. The buyout deadline, Kevin Love, he hasn't really added much to them so far. And so it just feels to Heat fans like they're headed for the play-in, or at, at best, you're headed for maybe a six seed, and then you go out kind of like you did two years ago uh, when after they get to the finals, they they lose to Milwaukee in the first, or they get swept out by Milwaukee in the first round. Your perceptions from afar of the Heat season? So, you know, the last few years have been really interesting because they have felt like on some level a force in the East. And of course, you know, they were in the finals as recently as a few years ago. And yet it's always been hard to buy into them as true contenders because they don't have the traditional structure and just in terms of personnel of a finals contender of a championship contender in this league. It's not that everybody doesn't have great regard for Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo or certainly the resume of Kyle Lowry. It's just that none of those guys are at the level of a Giannis or a Joel Embiid, or a Kevin Durant during his brief time as a uh, anchor of a possible possible contender of the Nets before he fled, um, and it's and you know or Jason Tatum for that matter, or the Jason Tatum Jalen Brown combination. There's just been, and listen, I, I will say this, Ethan, and and I know this is going to sound like uh, just empty praise for Heat fans. From afar, I've really admired what the Heat have done because of what the dynamic I just described. It's really hard in this league to be a top four team, a contender, a deep playoff team without at least one superstar, an MVP caliber guy, a guy who you know, is going to be in the top five or 10 of, of all NBA players every year. And then at least one complimentary or two complimentary guys who, who are in any given season, maybe an all-star at that level. Um, there are different versions of, of a championship roster in today's NBA, right? We're not, we're, we're no longer in the super team era. This is, you know, no one has a, a, a LeBron Bosch heat or LeBron Bosch Wade uh, heat version of this. We have Giannis plus a couple of guys who are not all NBA most years, but are really, really good in Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, right? We've had different versions of, of what a championship contender can look like. And that's opened the door. I think to even a team built like the heat are, um, but there's a limitation when you don't have the firepower. If you don't have at least one elite offensive talent who can not just score at a high level and drop 25-30 any given night, but also create, that's where there's this almost like impervious barrier 
at some point, because at some point you're going to run across a team that has those guys. And so I, I admire what the Heat have done because they have done it with the you know the usual formula for a Miami Heat team, right? Like we're going to, to we're going to grind you into bits if we have to defensively, um, and we're going to keep ourselves in the game with our defense. And then at some point, Jimmy Butler's going to get on a run, or Bam's going to get on a run, or Tyler Hero's going to knock down a bunch of shots, or, or Kyle Lowry's going to hit some clutch shots. And that's how we'll eventually beat you. It's just a really, really hard thing to do over and over, night in, night out, throughout a regular season, and then and then also replicate it through multiple rounds of the playoffs. That, that's the limitation that is built into this roster, is you don't have that one elite offensive talent. The funny thing about it, as I say that, is you and I both know, and we've seen this recently, and we'll see it in the playoffs, every so often Jimmy Butler just becomes that guy. It gets night in, right. night out. His scoring and his and his even his his usage rate are going to be kind of modest, and then every so often it's like eff it, <laughs> I'm going for like forty seven and six, um, and you don't see it coming. And Jimmy's capable of it, and it's what I love about him too. He's an unselfish superstar, but again, he's not built the way some of these other guys are in terms of just being able to generate that kind of offense every single night. And so, I, I just think there's a ceiling on a team that's built this way. And that's what we're seeing. And then, of course, the other ceiling is, eh, you know, there's a lot of miles on Jimmy and there's even more on Kyle Lowry, who's turning, I think, 37 next week. Mm-hmm. So um, or maybe the week after, but soon. Um, so so that's that's the way I've kind of viewed them is it, it's it's structural. It's not like it's a night to night thing. It's not like, oh, well, you know, they they screwed up this. That. There's no decisions to make in, in, in the midst of a season. Right. This isn't a this is this is a, a more broad you know, uh, 30,000 foot level view of like you, at some point you just need the guy and it's hard to get the guy. And when we talk about that, about getting the guy, we have to get into sort of their, the general philosophy of, of the team, but also the league at this stage, Jimmy Butler was somebody who wanted to be in Miami. And Pat Riley had talked about the idea that we need a guy when they were dealing with sort of the white side, James Johnson, Dion waiters era of the heat briefly and brief and forgettable, it was always like we we need a guy to come to want to come here, and then so somebody from the Dwayne tree, who obviously was you know, impressed by the way that Dwayne was handled at the end. Of course, there was problems with Dwayne before that, but after the return, yeah, um, yeah. and and they get a guy like that who wants to come, and so I think Heat fans have been waiting for the next guy, right? And 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 the model of this has changed over over the course of the time in the league because it used to be you did what the Heat did for 2010, which is that. You clear the cap space, right? You you position yourself for two years. They had a shot at Lamar Odom, but other than that, they really didn't go after anybody during kind of Dwayne's peak, okay, to 2008 to 2010. He wanted more help, so they got him more help. They got him LeBron James and Chris Bosh. That was pretty good help. Um, and they clear the cap space. But these days, players don't make it to free agency. Pat talked about that a couple of years ago, that you almost have to get the guy a year early, and you have to get the guy who wants to be with you and it just hasn't happened since Jimmy. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, the guys, you know, whether it's Durant or Mitchell, uh, some of the others. What is, in your view, the right model these days to to kind of pursue players? Because it is not just get cap space and then sell them on your organization. You, you, they almost have to demand to come to you, right? Well, it's, it's funny because as recently as 2019, you know, just four off seasons ago, um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in tandem went to the Nets in free agency. 
um, the, the Nets used the cap room that they cleared to sign those guys, right? And in that same summer, of course, that's when the Clippers got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Kawhi by free agency, Paul George by forced trade in tandem with Kawhi. And you're not getting Paul George. You're not getting Kawhi if Paul George isn't coming, or at least that was the belief. And you're not getting Kawhi in the first place if you haven't cleared the cap room. So as recently as four years ago, we were still a cap room team, a cap room league where that was your path to, to the superstars. Oh, look at the books. Who's coming up in the summer of this, uh, you know, this season, the next season, and plan for it. That's how it's always been, right? Everyone's always trying to poach the next guy. But you're right. In the meantime, we've now shifted into this uh, era of forced trades. And now you're, now you're doing maybe like kind of what, maybe it's what the Knicks are doing right now or what the Nets are doing again with the guys they have. Um, and a couple other teams you could put in this category where it's, we're going to just have a bunch of really good guys. We know that our champ, our ceiling is not championship at this moment, but we're going to be really competitive and we're going to have the kind of roster where if a guy wanted to force his way here, he can look at what we've got and say, you know what? I could win with that group. And that's what a superstar might see now in the Knicks or the Nets, the two teams in my backyard, where both of them have the outline of a really competitive team that probably has a, a ceiling on it in, in the playoffs, but a superstar will see it and say, like, I'd like to play with Jalen Brunson and uh, and, and Julius Randle, maybe, or, or you know, whoever's left. So Somebody has to go out the door in, in one of these trades. And with the Nets, obviously, all the guys they got back in the two trades they made for their stars. Um, and so, you know, it's not that there's any options that are off the table, right? Like, cap room to us to, 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 as the path to the superstar could still potentially work. But, yeah, more often than not now – a guy is deciding ahead of his free agency, it's time to go. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign an extension and then I'm gonna try to force a trade because I want my money first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. And and if you're a rival team, if you're a team that doesn't have a, a foundational star yet, you are trying to assemble some combination of really good manageable contract, good players on manageable contracts, mid-level contracts, um, and picks. So that the next time a guy becomes available, you can be the one to make the Kevin Durant type trade, right? That this like the Suns just made, right? They had a bunch of really good players and picks that they could cash out. Um, it hasn't gone well for the Minnesota Timberwolves, but again, the Timberwolves had the right package of stuff to get Rudy Gobert. We, a bunch of versions of this: Cleveland getting Donovan Mitchell. There's, we could go, we could list these. We could be doing this for 20 minutes. Uh, the number of, of ways that this has gone. Are the Heat in that category right now? I I think that's questionable, right? Because, you know, you're, you don't want to send out Jimmy Butler. You want him to be there as like your second star next to the new star that you're acquiring. Um, Kyle Lowry at this stage of his career, not going to be bringing back a lot in trade. You don't want to deal Bam Adebayo if you can help it. Tyler Hero is the, the one guy who probably becomes the, the central piece of a trade, but how many picks do you have to send out and how attractive are those picks? Um, but but yeah, it's a little bit of a waiting game for everybody who doesn't have one of those game changing stars. It's a little bit of a waiting game, and you're trying to figure out: is our path there going to be through trade, or is it possibly free agency? Um, because if it's not one of those two routes, there's only one other route to, to high level talent in this league, and it's the lottery. And right. it's a place that that there's there's fewer. Uh, there's never a guarantee, but the, but it's it, the, the odds are worse now, literally, because the league changed those odds. And so that's not, it's not that viable of a path. Um, 
some teams will rebuild that way. And then look, the Orlando Magic are starting to put together something nice because they got the number one pick and, and grabbed Paolo Bancaro, who's looking like a great player for them. But they also got Franz Wagner, who's their other foundational player now, who was later um, in the lottery. But you're 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 leaving it to chance as a team that's that's just going to try to play the the lottery ball odds. So the Heat are somewhere in between, unfortunately. Um, and I think the window is 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 very very small because of of the age and miles on some of their key guys. Yeah, and, we, and we, again, the Heat have always said we won't tank in part because we suck at it. It's just not in their nature to do it. And even a season like this, like you don't go into a season like this where you were the top team in the Eastern Conference in the regular season last year with a thought process that if the year doesn't go quite like you like it through 40 or 50 games, that you're going to pivot and go the other direction. It's just not something that they do. The teams that were going to tank this year knew they were going to tank before the season started. And and, and in fact, really haven't tanked that well. I mean, the, the tanking has not been to the level, in my view, Howard, that we've seen in previous years, particularly when you're talking about the top type of top-level prospects, whether it's Wemby, et cetera, at the top of this draft. Um, there, it hasn't been quite as bad from some of these teams. And, in fact, some that we thought would, like OKC, Utah, et cetera, have been competitive. I mean, maybe even more competitive than they've wanted to be. Uh, one more here on the Heat, and then we're going to pivot uh, to the rest to the rest of the league. I know you mentioned, you know, we talk about Jimmy and what Jimmy can be. And Jimmy is actually having his best season with Miami. It's just in sort of more condensed minutes. But his per 36 minutes, his efficiency, all of that is the best that it's been. I guess if you were to put a team together around, which way would you go here? You've got Jimmy Butler with a couple of years left on that contract that's going to be really inflated, obviously, as we go forward. And probably Jimmy's never going to play more than 65, at the most, 70 games again. And you got Bam Adebayo, who's 25 years old, so basically seven, eight years younger than Jimmy. Where do you build here? Because it, it does feel like we've been on slightly different timelines with the two of them. Um, they're not the best fit offensively, even though the numbers are pretty good. It never looks quite right. Like, what would what would you do? I mean, could you, can you say here's Bam and Jimmy and we're going to try to build around both of them? Or, or do you have to pick a direction? Oh, man. That's a really tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, they've got what eight years be- uh, gap between them. Um, you know, Bam is just starting to enter his prime, uh, and and Jimmy is is entering the back nine um, or something. Um, so that part's tough, right? At the time they got Jimmy, there was enough of an overlap there of, of Bam's rise and Jimmy still being in his prime. But, you know, that, that that window goes by quickly. And, you know, listen, I will say this. We are in an era where if you look at what LeBron James has been able to do, where Steph Curry has been able to do, Chris Paul has been able to do, guys are playing into their mid to late 30s, um, even smaller guys. Like it used to be if you were, uh, you know, a power forward or center, you could play really effectively in this league until your late 30s. But guards, especially like, you know, the closer you are to six feet, the, the more likely it is you're just going to fall off a cliff at some point in terms of your your playing level, an all-star suddenly becomes very ordinary one day. Um, but guys are extending their careers because of sports science and training methods and, and nutrition and load management and all the other things that are part of today's NBA. So I don't want to write off Jimmy too soon to say, well, he's 33, he's got a couple of good years left. Like He might have five really good years left for all we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the Heater are very good and one of the better organizations, I think, about managing um, older players, so I don't want to say that the window's 
not there. And Bam is still evolving. So even if if you want to say, and I don't disagree, like, okay, so maybe some, you know, fit issues or whatever, or what, how, how do you build around these two? Does it make, is this the most logical, uh, you know, duo? I, I think as Bam continues to evolve as a player, um, and especially on the offensive side, like maybe there is an opportunity there. So I, I still think back to my premise about the next start of force a trade, whoever that may be. Are you looking at the Heat also as a team where it's like, yeah, that's a place I'd like to go. I, I'd, I'd love to play with Jimmy Butler. Like, you know, I'd love to play with Bam out of bio. Like, I, yeah, for sure. They've got that allure. And besides that, it's Miami. It's always been a destination for players. Um, and it's an organization that is universally respected. Uh, hashtag Heat culture. So um, there's... <laughs> <laughs> you have to say that on this show. I, it's, 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 you're contractually I, obligated, even though you're not under contract. I, I, I expect a kickback of some sort. Um, no problem. So, 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 but that, people but listen, think I actually will do that. That's why I'm saying this here on the podcast. Hours, so. But listen, I, I, I joke, but it's real. There are, there are only at any given time, three or four teams in this league, maybe five maybe slightly bigger where you can actually point to a team and say, like, I know what that team's culture is in a positive right. way. Right. There's been plenty of negative cultures, but they're only like, you know, who the Miami heat are and what they're about. You know, who the Spurs are and what they're about, even in downtimes like now, you know, who the Warriors are and what they're about. Like there's only a handful of teams where you truly can use the word culture and have it be meaningful because of a long track record and a consistent track record of what their values are. So we joke hashtag heat culture, culture. And it's a fun joke. But it's also real. So I, I, I don't diminish that at all. I do. I, I absolutely believe players and their agents look at the heat differently as a destination, not just because of location or weather, um, but they look at them differently than, than they do a lot of other franchises. And that's uh, to their credit. The question becomes like, it's funny because we'll have these conversations the way you asked it. You know, wow, what, what's the ideal way? How do you build around these guys? What's the ideal? No one does ideal. Was Donovan Mitchell the ideal star for the Cavaliers to add when they already had an up-and-coming young star in Darius Garland who just had a breakthrough season and made the All-Star team? The, you would normally think like, oh, now we got to find like, you know, uh, an elite wing or elite big to pair with. I mean, they've got an, an elite big in the making in, in, um, in Evan Mobley. Um, but, but normally you're trying to like balance out the, the lineup. You're not going for another star guard. Right? Oh, they're du they're du duplicative. They're gonna overlap. They're gonna take away from it. Donovan was the guy that was available. Donovan Mitchell was the guy that was available. And this is what you do: you 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 wait and you go. Oh, there's a top ten, top fifteen, top twenty player available. Can we get him? And you don't worry about about fit necessarily in all these cases. So I think on some level, I'm sure the Heat front office has talked about who can we get that fits this this team. But the more realistic question is who's going to be available next? And that's what everybody's doing in this league all the time. They're keeping an eye on Carl Anthony Towns. They're keeping an eye on Trey Young. They're wondering, is it, is it true that James Harden might really flee back to Houston? That's weird. Well, what if he does? Does Joel Embiid ask out? So they're keeping an eye on Joel Embiid. This is what you do. You fly around uh, in circles like vultures, <laughs> eyeing, <laughs> eyeing the superstars who are most likely to leave next. And eventually one of them will become available and you try to make sure that you are a team that has made yourself attractive as a destination based on your roster, based on your culture. Um, and then, and do you have the assets to make that deal? And I don't know what the answer to that is in, in this case, because I don't, I don't know which of those guys I just mentioned, if any of them will become available, somebody will, somebody's always available in today's NBA.
Well, that's the thing. I mean, you mentioned it. Then you the thing the sentence the key sentence is there. Then you see if you have the assets to make the deal work. Yeah, and that's really been the Heat's problem the past couple of years, more so than anything else, is is having the assets, having the draft picks accumulated. And I've always described Riley as a vulture in a very positive way. Like literally, with the exception of Dwayne, which was a happy accident because they were trying to lose a game on the last game of the season in the 2002-2003 season, but won it. So they ended up at five. So Bosch, who was more of their target, ended up going at four. They end up with Dwayne. Then ultimately they end up with both of them. Uh, but with the exception of Dwayne, everybody else was them taking advantage of somebody being unhappy in their current situation. Shaq, uh, yeah. Zoe, yeah. right? Even Jamal Mashburn, Tim Hardaway, uh, and then LeBron and LeBron and Chris, and to a certain extent, Jimmy. I mean, that's this is every. They're, with the exception of Dwayne, all of and Bam, all of their cornerstones have been from that, and that's why when Heat fans don't see it happen over a four-year period, uh, there's a freak out, and then it's well, Pat's asleep at the switch, and all the rest of this stuff, and sometimes it's just circumstantial. It's just circumstantial, but it's also having the assets there because I mean they didn't get any dumber inside the organization, um, and, yeah. and, and and they've been they've been having to rely on a lot of these undrafted guys. In part because they they've got they're contractually obligated to a lot of these other Bam's on an extension now Tyler's going to be on extension Jimmy's signed to a max and Kyle Lowry you know turns out at that price point was a mistake and so now they've got to kind of unwind that one we're going to do something right after the break here that uh, Howard and I never do because we used to host a two hour show together and it could have gone six hours I'm going to make I'm going to force Howard to do rapid fire that's what we're going to do we're going to go around the league rapid fire. Um, we're gonna we're gonna clock this thing. Uh, before we do though, before we do, want to mention uh, a couple more sponsors here of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Of course, our betting partner is Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com. Use the code five RSN. This is peer to peer legalized sports betting. Even in the state of Florida, this is legal because you're betting against others on the app and not against the book. So you're not going to get any money from offshore or anything like that. Trying to claw it back? No. Go to betteredge.com. Use the code five RSN. We're running NCA tournament stuff there right now. But NBA, we do all these tournaments there. It's a really, really cool product. Uh, so go to betteredge.com. Use the code 5RSN. And then, are you a homeowner? You got a water leak? You don't know where it's coming from? You're dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Reach out to Michael Robert and the team at Water Cleanup of Florida. Based in Boca, but they service the entire area. 954-579-0356. It's 954-579-0356. You can, again, you can call Michael. That's his personal cell phone. More than 70-plus five-star reviews on Google. They'll handle the entire project from start to finish. They're fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. So reach out to them. Again, it's WCUFL.com, WCUFL.com, 954-579-0356. And I I have to do this myself because my co-host is not here. But if you've got the schmutz, they got the guts. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick for Five on the Floor in the Five Reasons Sports Network. As you know, we heard from Pat Riley recently. Everybody has an opinion on trades, free agency, who they should keep, who they should give up, who they should get. Well, whatever it is that Riley and the Heat do, you don't want them giving up too much and getting too little, right? Well, the same is true of shaving products, and that's why I use Harry's shaving products. I love the way it handles. I love the way it looks, and I love the quality of the shave. I have a little bit of trouble growing out a good beard So better to just shave it off and make sure that it looks somewhat professional. These are German-engineered blades made in their own factory, so they stay sharp longer. means you can use them 
longer. And also they've got customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as two bucks, half of what you pay for other big brands. Also, I would recommend the shaving lotion as well and the body wash. So check it out. You can go to harrys.com backslash five. That's harrys.com backslash five. You'll get a $13 trial set for just three bucks. Again, don't pay too much and get too little. Same is true of shaving as NBA transactions. Harrys.com backslash five for your $3 trial set. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's a couple of Yiddish boys like us. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's, that's Michael, Greenstein, right? Michael Greenstein is, uh, is the guy there. So that's, uh, he's, he's of the tribe. All right. Um, rapid fire here. Let's do this. Ready? I'm never ready for rapid fire. I will do my best to be rapid. All right, here gonna be as rapid as possible. You ready? All right. So let's All right. I, look, I, I I'd love to keep you here for 12 hours, but let's we'll 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 blow through this. All right. Milwaukee or Boston, who's more vulnerable in the East? More vulnerable? It d- depends on on which night we're talking about lately. Um I'm gonna say that uh Boston's mil- uh, more vulnerable. Okay. Philadelphia, can they be trusted? Because they, they they're be playing tra- better than anybody over the past couple of months of the conference, but feels like nobody trusts them. Rem- remains to be seen. I don't want to. I'm not writing them off because I, I believe that what they're doing lately is is real and sustainable. But I also think that you can never talk about a team with James Harden on it without thinking about all of his postseason collapses. And so, yeah, on some level, I guess that means I don't trust them. Um, but I, I like I believe there's a there's a version of the Sixers that can get to the finals, and and we're and we've been seeing it enough lately that I I believe. But yes, uh, James Harden's track record you can never ignore. Cleveland Cavaliers remind me of one of those teams that needs to lose in the second round and learn something from it. Like I feel like that's their ceiling. Like they look like one of those teams that's kind of figuring it out, but they're going to go through some of those ups and downs. Am I wrong? Is that a team that can actually go to the conference finals this year? I think they can go to the conference finals. I don't think they will go to the conference finals for a couple of different reasons. One is, as you mentioned, the the youth and lack of experience. It it it's very rare in this league. the The usual uh, axiom is, if you're a young team that finally breaks through and becomes like a serious playoff team, you got to lose a couple times in the first round, then the second round, or whatever. It takes time. They haven't gone through all of that as of yet. Donovan Mitchell has with a different franchise. So for guys like Garland and Mobley. Um, it usually you you've got to try and fail. The other thing is one, I I don't trust their depth, and two, while it's sometimes you can be a young team or a, a a team without a lot of playoff experience and have a deep run and break through um, in, in 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 one run, the reason they won't is they have the misfortune of being in a conference with three absolutely viable finals contenders. So Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly are so good that Cleveland. As you know, as as kind of like the 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 dark horse team, it's harder to break through when you've got three absolute um, certifiable contenders sitting there at the top of the conference. So um, my my best guess is that the Cavaliers' run ends in the second round. Maybe they even push somebody to seven games. But yeah, I think this is the year where they 
they get their their seasoning and their experience and they get knocked down and they pick themselves up and come back next year stronger and and look more like a contender. If the Knicks win one playoff game like they did a couple of years ago against Atlanta, will there be another parade outside the Sabaro on uh, on uh, outside of MSG? Or or or, or have Heat fans risen their their are their expectations higher? this time. So they're going to have more self-respect uh, with the way the team conducts itself <laughs> in the postseason. I say this as a former Nick fan, as people know. So I'm just, it's just, it was just funny. Listen, listen, the parade already started. It's been, it's just been ongoing all season. It's just one continuous parade uh, with a, with a continuous rally and, and an after party and an after, after party, all of it. Like, listen, for everything that Nick's fans have been through over the last 20 years, um, any season like this, as we saw two years ago when they had their their you know breakthrough under Tibbs's first year, um, and then they receded last year, and then now they're back again, and, and and this is a stronger version of it. All of this is celebratory. Um, I'm not going to knock them for that any more than I'm going to knock the Kings fan who was on tape in the preseason talking about we're getting 40 wins this year, and as it turns out, well, we're locked, laughing at that. The dude undershot by at least 10 wins. <laughs> Um, kudos to the kudos to the Kings who clinched their playoff first playoff spot in a thousand years uh, here last night in my backyard in Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, when you've been through what the Kings have been through or what the Knicks have been through on a different scale, um, have any as many parades and rallies and parties and after parties as, as you want. That's that's all good. You mentioned Brooklyn, and obviously that is your backyard there. Um, Mikel Bridges has been a revelation uh, since he's yeah. been there, and, and they and they they're loaded with young. Not young, but with role guys who would help a team. Like you said, they kind of have a ready-made team for another star to come in here. Yeah. Um, but this year, if I was – you call it right now, we've got the Nets. I think they're two games ahead of the Heat right now. Um, who's getting that last playoff spot? Because I, I, I think the Knicks are in. So it, it's really the Nets or the Heat for six. Yeah, having not looked at the schedule the rest of the way for those three teams – they're close enough, right? The the Heat are two back in the loss column from the Nets, who are one back in the loss column from the Knicks, and I, I, no, no version of that will like. I'd be surprised if the Heat got all the way to fifth, right? But like, um, I could see the Nets, you know, leapfrogging back over the Knicks potentially. I could see either of those teams slipping down to seventh, and the Heat snagging that last spot without looking at at all their remaining schedules. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, like, like, I don't know how many road games the, the, the heat have left. I know that they've got the worst road record of those three teams. Um, let's mm. see, 34, eight. And I think they only eight, have no, one, seven. one game left against the West who they've actually played pretty well against this season. So yeah. They've got seven road games left. It looks like. Um, so yeah, I mean, in all likelihood, the, like the logical outcome is where it is right now. Knicks fifth, Nets sixth, heat seventh. But the Nets have been very up and down with this group, right? Um, a lot of really good interchangeable players, a lot of guys who can play both sides of the ball, but they don't have that one offensive hub. As great as Mikael Bridges has been, you're not designing an offense to, to play through Mikael Bridges night in and night out. Um, and so the Nets are really volatile in that regard. Um, the Knicks have a foundation offensively, right? But, you know, Brunson's been hurt a lot lately. That's the other thing too, right? Like Brunson's been, been so banged up and that's affected the Knicks uh, the last couple of weeks. Where, do, where, you know, where does his health and, you know, and how does that affect them for the, for the, for the duration here? Um, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, look, push comes to shove. It's probably where it is right now. Knicks fifth, Nets sixth, heat seventh. Let's go to the West real quick. 
why has it been such a jumbled mess this year? Is it just the injuries? Is it the players coming in late? Because it's just, I mean, you've got all these teams. Some of them have started to write themselves. Kawhi's playing at an obscene level right now. But like, I mean, the Clippers, the Warriors, all those teams in the Pacific, really, honestly, uh, you know, Phoenix and then the Durant thing. But even before, before that, they were completely up and down this season in a way you weren't expecting. Like, I mean, would you, how many teams, let's just put it this way. How many teams do you think could potentially come out of the Western Conference? Because it feels like based on Durant, based on Morant, uh, based on, you know, Kawhi's health, it could be like as many as six or seven. It does feel like that. And look, I'm going to, I'm going to say the craziest things. Uh, Somebody just said on this podcast, I'm going to guess in a while. There's a scenario where it wouldn't surprise me if the Lakers are in the conference finals mm-hmm. and they're ninth right now in two games under 500. Um, Anthony Davis has been amazing when he's been on the court. LeBron has been fantastic when he's been on the court and eventually presumably he's going to be back. And the roster they have now is uh, miles better than the roster they had to start the season. And they should have made these moves a long, long time ago, but kudos for finally getting it right at the trade deadline. Um, and we saw what that team was capable of with this new roster before LeBron went down again. And and so, you know, like that's like, that's, that's not some like trivial. What if, you know, it's not a trivial thing of like, well, LeBron, when LeBron gets healthy, LeBron's barely been able to stay healthy. That's, that's an issue. And at his age for sure. Um, but still, I, 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 am not ruling the Lakers out of this race. I'm definitely not ruling the Warriors out of this race, despite all, you know, evidence to the contrary. I still believe the Warriors have a potential run in them. Um, we don't know where what Andrew Wiggins's uh, personal issues are or what the family issues he's going through are. are. It, it sounds like it's all very serious, and we don't know when he'll be back. But wait, they get Wiggins back. Gary Payton II, who they acquired at the trade deadline, gets healthy. You've suddenly got a really strong core seven who have played together before and won a championship together before. I'm not ruling them out. I'm not ruling out the Clippers. I, I, I have skepticism about the Suns, where they're going to have played like five games with Kevin Durant ever before they go into the playoffs. That's weird. <laughs> um, right. The Grizzlies have all these clouds over them because of John Morant and they lost Brandon Clark uh, to injury. Steven Adams has been out. Everybody's got all these asterisks and caveats on them. Nobody trusts the nuggets. It's really hard to find anybody around the league who will predict the nuggets are going to the finals, despite how much mm-hmm. of a lead they have in the West. So yeah, Ethan, I, I don't, I don't disagree. This is like a five, six, seven team race in part because everybody's flawed. It's, it's not everybody's, you know, equally super strong. It's just, everybody's kind of weird. There is no through line. Every single team has its own strange issues. Some it's injuries. Some it's like the warrior stuff is inexplicable. Like there's, there's not even a good reason. You can't even call it age. Steph has, when he's been playing this year, and he did miss a lot of games, and that's part of why they are where they're in the standings. But Steph has played an MVP level. Clay is actually better, better this season mm-hmm. than he was last season because last season was his first year back after two and a half years off uh, with serious injuries. Draymond's still playing at a high level. So you can't even blame their core and say, well, the core got old. It's everybody else. Um, and there's some inconsistency even with the stars, obviously. But um, everybody's just got some sort of weirdness around them aside from like the Nuggets and the Kings. And and people are hard, having a hard time buying into them because the Kings, it's it's the Cavaliers thing that you just mentioned a minute yeah. ago. Well, and the Kings are really young. Like, I think they're the youngest team. They're the youngest uh, top-tier team in the NBA right now. Um, and, the, and the Nuggets, nobody trusts them defensively. And, you know, so, man, listen, it, it, it's it, on, on some level, it's all kind of like, 
just you know befuddling and whatever. And like we're used to having super teams and dynasties and everything. On another level, this is awesome. Like this is great. All these teams have something to offer that's fun and intriguing, and we can't rule any of them out. And having a little bit of mystery in the race uh, in the NBA is is kind of a novelty. I know it will close here. And again, follow him at Howard Beck. Um, follow him all of his coverage uh, there. And obviously, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to him again as we go forward here. You just mentioned it. You say it's great the way the league has played out this year. You have a lot of contacts in the league office. Obviously, you know, you've been around Adam many, many times, Adam Silver. Do you think they like this? Or would they prefer to have a dominant team that you're shooting for? I, I think they themselves probably struggle with this issue, both philosophically, practically, monetarily. Mm-hmm. There's this idea that the NBA has always been a league of dominant teams and dynasties and that those are good for the league because it gives everybody something to root for or against. And that makes for more intrigue. I mean, you have, you know, if LeBron's in the finals for eight straight years, as he was, um, you're you're either rooting for him or against him. And besides that, he's great box office draw, regardless of how you feel about him. He's just, you know, he's an all-time great. And so that good to have him there every year. Great to have the Warriors in the finals, you know, six out of eight years, because everybody wants to tune in to watch Steph and the Warriors play a beautiful brand of basketball, except for the couple of years when they had Kevin Durant and it was like this, like, you know, too much. And some people were turned off by it and they went the other direction and they became, you know, the villains. But those I, I'm of I'm of the belief that when it comes to the finals, it's great mm-hmm. to have super teams and dynasties because when the casual fans tune in and you need the ratings and you need more eyeballs on you, having recognizable teams in the finals that are easy to root for or against is is good for the league in June. But they have other rounds of playoffs before that, and they have a whole regular season before that, and those things all matter too. And I think more broadly, having a, a league where there's a belief in many, many markets that we've got a shot and a real belief is also important. And if you go back to 2011, when the NBA had a, had their lockout, David Stern was still commissioner. Adam was deputy commissioner, but you could kind of see he was like the commissioner in waiting. And, and David was in his, in his, you know, last stretch of his career. Adam was the voice of the league on a lot of those nights um, that a lot of us were staking out um, negotiations. And Adam had this line he repeat over and over to the extent that it is just completely forever embedded in my head, which was, we want a league where 30 teams, if well-managed, can compete for a championship. And the idea was not that you have, you know, quote-unquote parity, but just a, a sort of competitive balance or, or equity where everybody truly has a shot. Not just the big markets, not just the big spenders, not just the glamour markets, but everybody, if they do it right. And right now you've got, Kind of the outline of that, like, I think this is Adam Silver's dream on some level. Now, whether his marketing folks and the business folks and the people who are selling sponsorships and the people who are in charge of making sure the ratings are good or whatever, do they all agree or not? I I don't know. But this is Adam's ideal, I think, right now, because you have a bunch of teams well-managed, all looking pretty viable or looking, you know, strong, competitive, and... You know, you and I just went through it. Like half of the Western Conference feels like it could make mm-hmm. at, at minimum the conference finals. I think this is what he had in mind when he was uh, giving us that line over and over and over again back in 2011. All right, follow him at Howard Beck. I'm with you too. I, I feel like it's something that he wanted to lean into, 
But then once you get it, it's kind of like, okay, how deep in the playoffs do some of the casual fans go? I, I think like for, for basketball fans, this is an interesting season, but you ultimately want, um, you ultimately want somebody that you can shoot for love, hate, et cetera. We'll see if any of these teams develop into that. The problem with like some of these teams like Milwaukee is like, how do you hate Giannis? Like, it's just, it's difficult. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, absolutely impossible. Uh, unless right. you just dunked on your favorite player or, you know, um, or you, maybe you're tired of his cell phone commercials or something like how no, that you cannot think the, the guy is just he's so charming. He is so endearing. Um, yeah, you're right. Impossible to root against Giannis uh, rooting against. Yeah, I know. I know he's uh, Greek uh, by nationality, but rooting against Giannis is un-American. I'm just going to say I, that. I would agree. <laughs> they got to go to him and be like, be less likable because we need people to actually root for you, not to make it to the finals. Sneer, sneer a little bit more or something, you know? It, it, Exactly. Well, Heat fans, we'll see how the Heat, Heat fans feel if they end up in a 2-7 matchup with them, which sure. uh, lo- looks like a, a very strong possibility at this stage. Well, thanks to Howard again. Follow him at Howard Beck, and, uh, and hopefully we get a chance to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ethan. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.